This is Show Me Today, the voice of Missouri. I'm Bill Pollock. Let's hit the road this weekend and head down to the Ozarks. Maybe you want to go to West Plains for the old-time music Ozarks Heritage Festival or the town of Van Buren that has undergone millions of dollars in renovations. Or maybe you want to check out one of our great wine trails. We'll have all of that coming up. Well, we got to make sure the roads underneath us are safe. And a Missouri S&T chemical and biochemical engineer professor is looking to the ancient Roman past to see how concrete was made several thousand years ago to help transform the concrete and construction industry today. Anthony Morbeth has Dr. Monday Okoronkwo. This project that has been funded by NSF, in this project we are trying to mimic the chemistry of ancient Roman concrete to develop a new concrete that will potentially reduce carbon emission and also improve the durability of the concrete structure product. So we know the Roman concrete have designed a material that has testified their durability by standing for over 2,000 years. We see structures of Roman structures that are standing for over 2,000 years, even in aggressive seawater environment. But modern concrete, when exposed to similar aggressive environment, tend to deteriorate. So that brings us to the impact of durability. So the modern concrete are not as durable in such aggressive seawater environment as the Roman concrete. Another motivation is the fact that modern concrete generates approximately 8% of the global CO2 emission. So the production of the modern concrete, the binder itself, which is the cement that binds the aggregates, a ton of that cement that is produced generates approximately a ton of CO2 to the atmosphere. So we are hoping to look at the chemistry of the Asian Roman concrete. And we have a few, a little idea of what the, uh, the binder is made up of. And we can see that by mimicking the chemistry, we can actually reduce the carbon emission originating from that cement binder. And we hope that if we can make some of the chemistry that has been linked to the durability of Roman concrete, we can also derive that high durability and resilience that is seen in Roman concrete. So that is what we're trying to do with this new project. And I think that the story is fascinating because you were recently selected for the National Science Foundation's Faculty Early Career Development Program Award, and you're going to be provided with about $675,000 in order to support this project. So obviously studying ancient Roman concrete and taking a look at how it can potentially benefit and affect infrastructure in the future and uh, moving forward. And so your research has the potential to transform not just infrastructure, but the entire cement-making industry. Uh, that's correct. Uh, we hope that the outcome of this project, if successful, will transform the entire construction industry uh, from the perspective of providing durable materials that will be more durable than the modern concrete 
that can be applied under terrestrial condition as well as under uh, uh, sea condition. So such uh, material would improve both applications in the area of, uh, let's say, marine, military, offshore structures, and maybe offshore uh, power generating facilities. There are quite a number of ways it can also improve the life of those who are living in the coastal regions uh, by providing material that can the durability of their buildings. I'm, I'm glad that you brought that up because that was the one question that immediately crossed my mind. Obviously, uh, the Middle East and obviously ancient Rome uh, and the weather systems and the weather patterns there are a lot different than what the weather is here in the United States of America. And obviously, especially where you're from, Doctor, and, 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 and my reason to bring that up is how exactly are you going to try and develop this concrete to sort of be more weather resistant than previously it was? We are hoping to not only generate a single formulation. So we're looking at generating multiple formulations of this new cement so that certain formulations will suit certain applications. Just like I've said, uh, we're looking at providing materials that can be used for terrestrial application. Of course, uh, when we look at um, maybe different climates, the warm and cold climate, we'll also look at that as well. Then we'll also look at formulations that would be more suited for underwater application and applications that are exposed to high alkaline conditions, high sulfate uh, conditions, like in sea waters. So definitely it is a work in progress, and, and we're hoping that uh, if I have thesis I write or we'll test it, we'll be able to generate different grades of this new cement, which will have slightly similar chemistry, but uh, uh, some differences in the area of application because the response to the environment will be slightly different based on the temperature, based on the chemical uh, uh, constituents of the environment. So we, we hope that it's not going to be a single formulation, but a variety of formulations that would be similar to the Asian Roman country, but each grade will have slightly difference in chemistry to make it suitable for specific applications. And if you're just tuning in late or want to hear more, subscribe to Show Me Today on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. We're talking with Dr. Monday Okoronkwo, an assistant professor of chemical and biochemical engineering at Missouri S&T, researching how to mimic chemistry and composition of ancient Roman concrete while also applying a little bit of modern technology to make it even better and improve it. So my final question, doctor, is... Uh, Let's talk a little bit more specifics here. You brought it up earlier in the conversation, and I kind of wanted to close on this. Planning to develop different versions of this cement for both marine and land uses, and I was reading some of the things that this could be used for. Uh, did you want to go into a little bit more specifics on what they could potential, what this cement could possibly be used for? Okay. Um, specifically, this cement will be used for normal buildings, buildings like where humans can live. It can also be used for building something like dams, hydroelectric power, you know, generation dams. 
It could be used for building offshore wind turbine systems. It could be used for, you know, marine structures for military. Uh, it could be used for general purpose construction. So we're hoping that we'll be able to develop grades of this new cement, which will have high durability in their respective uh, areas of application. So the idea is that the chemistry we're going to engineer is anchored on some mineral phase assemblage that has been identified in ancient Roman concrete that has been linked to their durability. And one of these minerals is called the calcium silicate hydrate gel, which is having some level of aluminum substitution, generating what is called tubomerite. So we're going to engineer a tubomerite-like calcium aluminum substituted silicate hydrate gel. We understand the nucleation and growth of this gel in tandem with another mineral that is known as traplingite. So these two minerals, they are combined balance in, it, in the system, we hope is going to generate the resilience that we require for the durability of the new cement, as well as the strength that is required for this new cement to withstand whatever load is going to carry. And also, because of the unique composition, there will be a reduction in the lime amount required for the formulation, which will lead to reduction in the general total CO2 emitter. And we're hoping to achieve at least 50% reduction of CO2 emission compared to the conventional uh, cementitious systems that we have today. Anything else you wanted to mention before we bring this interview to a close? Uh, one other thing I want to mention is that this is going to be a five-year uh, project and uh, part of this project is to also train students in the STEM area of chemistry and engineering of cementitious materials. So there will be a lot of K-12 students that will be involved in this project. There will be a lot of undergraduates and graduate students. And we're hoping that through this research that is integrated with education, we're going to inspire more students to get involved in STEM and then help to increase the workforce, the STEM workforce of the uh, nation. We're talking with Dr. Monday Okoronkwo, an assistant professor of chemical and biochemical engineering at Missouri S&T. And I just wanted to mention that if you wanted to find out more information, check out the chemical and biochemical engineering program at Missouri S&T. This is Show Me Today, the voice of Missouri. Put a frog in boiling water and it'll jump right out. But put a frog in cool water and slowly heat it up, that frog will boil. As veterans, we tell ourselves the lie that we can handle anything. We let the water boil. You are not a frog. If you or a veteran you know needs support, don't wait. Reach out. Find resources at va.gov reach. That's va.gov reach. Brought to you by the United States Department of Veterans Affairs and the Ad Council. Here's Heather with the weather. Well, it's beautiful out there, sunny and 75, almost a little chilly in the shade. Now, let's get a read on the inside of your car. It is hot. You've only been parked a short time and it's already 99 degrees in there. 
Let's not leave children in the back seat while running errands. It only takes a few minutes for their body temperatures to rise, and that could be fatal. Cars get hot fast and can be deadly. Never leave a child in a car. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. What I remember most is the loneliness I felt, the separation from other people. At the end, drinking was no fun for me. Since I've started to attend AA meetings, the greatest gift is that I've become reconnected. I'm part of life again. I really like myself, and that's wonderful. AA is a miracle in my life. Visit aa.org for more information and download the Meeting Guide app to find a meeting near you. They are our love bugs and companions. They are our pets, our family, and they make life better. When we face unexpected challenges, so do our pets. That's why we're on a mission to support people and their pets. Whether donating a bag of kibble, sharing an Instagram post of a lost cat, or welcoming a foster pet into your home, every bit of kindness counts. Visit petsandpeopletogether.org to learn how to be a helper in your community. Brought to you by Maddie's Fund, the Humane Society of the United States, and the Ad Council. Do you worry about how much someone drinks? Do you feel angry or depressed most of the time? Do you feel neglected or unloved? Do you feel that if the drinker loved you, she or he would stop drinking? If you answered yes to any of these questions, you are not alone. Not everyone trapped by alcohol is an alcoholic. Families and friends are suffering too. Al-Anon and Alateen can help. Call 1-866-200-0223 or visit alanon.org slash help. The United States Deputy Sheriff's Association is a national nonprofit and the largest non-governmental provider of services to law enforcement. The USDSA assists city, county, state, and federal agencies with free safety equipment donations and officer survival training along with cash donations to families of law enforcement officers who perish in the line of duty, college scholarships for the children of law enforcement, a citizen awareness program, and more. For more information on the USDSA and how you can help, visit usdeputy.org. This is Show Me Today, the voice of Missouri. I'm Bill Pollack, and it's time to take a Missouri road trip. Let's hit some wineries, and uh, let's bring in Missouri Life Magazine. They're always uh, here with great tips, and uh, to help us out, Deborah Marshall, Director of Sales and Marketing for Missouri Life Magazine, MissouriLife.com, the website. Check it out. Deborah, nice to talk with you. Nice to talk with you, too. How how long has Missouri like become wine country. I mean, it seems like all of a sudden it just exploded. I mean, I know it's been, I know, I know it's been around. I know we've had some wineries. I think of Herman, you know, when I first moved here in the nineties, the but all of a sudden it just seems to be like this big boom. Yeah, for sure. It has. And, you know, um, just, you know, from the beginning, you know, our German heritage of people coming from Germany have really played an impact in um, developing those wineries. And, um, we've had some great history with Stonehill Winery, which has been here, gosh, I don't know, over a hundred years, I believe, and um, and some you know staples in the Augusta area, kind of on the eastern part of the state. But you're right; in the last few years, probably last decade, they've really exploded. And Missouri has over 130 wineries in the state, and you know, so most of them are small, you know, small wineries. But we have some some really big ones that have been around and have been instrumental in and wines across the country and across the world. Are we starting to compete with Northern California? Yes, I, I would say so. Um, and we do use some grapes and from Northern California because we can't, sometimes can't grow some of them here, but um, we have been competing. And in our May issue, uh, we have a, 
we have a writer um, that does a column called Wine Dog, and his name is Doug Frost, and and he's been writing for us for a while, and and he um, is one of three people in the world that are masters of wine and a master sommelier. I think that's how you say it. And um, he's got an, an article in our May issue to talk about the Jefferson Cup and you know kind of our history of of Missouri wine and how we've competed um, with other parts of the country. MissouriLife.com is where you can find the article. What's, yeah. the, what's the Jefferson Cup? He started this, um, I believe, about 20 years ago, and it was um, for us to compete against other wineries um, throughout the country and to give Missouri a voice and representation. And um, he, his, his, his headline is farewell to the cup for this issue. So the cup is going to be no longer. Um, but he, um, kind of gives you an idea of, of what he has done with, um, with the cup and, and who's won and, and just, you know, an overview of, of where we've been. Yeah. With well, wine. well, let's talk about taking a Missouri winery road trip. Uh, and, and I don't know if this is what you want to touch on, but uh, highway 94, uh, just west of St. Louis, and maybe that's even getting into that Augusta area. But you, you drive down that windy road that goes along the Missouri River, and you'll see winery, winery, winery. I mean, that seems to me like a pretty decent trail to start with. Is that one of them? It would be totally a decent trail to start with. There's also uh, the Herman Wine Trail that will connect you with a lot of wineries in that area. Um, then there's the Adam Pukta area, um, which uh, is in the Herman Wine Trail. I'm sorry, I was thinking of somebody else. It's the Augusta Wine Trail that's also there as well. So that's all right there in, in the St. Louis area. There are uh, several other wine trails uh, throughout the state. We have 11 of them. And wow. they're just in, yeah, the northwest part of the state, kind of in that central part of the St. Louis you know area. And then a few kind of dotted throughout um, the rest of Missouri. But there are 11 wine trails. Deborah Marshall from Missouri Life Magazine joining us. You say that because I, I always just think of like the area from St. Louis to Jefferson City mm-hmm. is kind of being the area, but it is kind of all over the state. Yeah, it is all over the state. And, you know, there's also a little winery up in Glasgow, Missouri called Beckett's Winery. So you can take a, you know, take a get on your you know, motorcycle, you're getting your car, go drive up to Glasgow, hang out on the river drink some really great wine. It's a great day trip. And then there's there are those trails that you can go spend. You can spend a couple of days. You, know, you can spend the night um, in a B&B right there in Herman and then go out and do all the other trails. Um, it's a great, that makes a great weekend, um, a great, I mean, a great day trip. So um, go ahead. I, I was, I was going to ask you about that because once I start with wine, I don't, I don't think I'm making much of a road trip. I think I'm getting there and then I'm going <laughs> to, because I always seem to overindulge myself. It's oh yeah, I'll try this. I'll try a little bit of that. And so, what is the what is the best way um, to kind of plan a, a weekend when you get somewhere um, to kind of take it easy and, uh, and and enjoy, but not overindulge to where you you feel it the next day? Because I need those tips, Deborah. I'm not sure I have those great tips. <laughs> the We're in the same too. boat, huh? <laughs> We're in the same boat. What I would do is I would just re- I would recommend that um, you know folks go to the magazine and look at kind of where the wineries are, and then you can obviously look up online and, and look for bed and breakfasts and hotels in, in the area. There's a bunch of them. There, you know, there's a lot there that you can say. I mean, Perman comes to mind because. I've been to Herman and spent some time at some bed and breakfasts there, and which are fantastic. But um, that's probably the best thing to do, and just make it, you know, a trip out of it. Even even if you can get on the Katy Trail, 
and you can ride your bike. You don't have to drink a lot of wine, but you can stop and see all the beautiful wineries along the way, too. So, And I'm sure they give you samples, and they're small samples. You can you know test mm-hmm. a little bit here and there. Is Missouri known for for more of a, a red wine, white wine? Do we uh, specialize in anything? Well, Missourians like sweet wine. Yes. More sweet wine. Yes, they do. Um, I'm not a sweet wine fan. I'm more of a Chardonnay person, and I enjoy that. But um, we're more famous for, for that. Um, and, you know, we have some really great red wines um, that are famous from Stonehill uh, that have won many, many awards. But mostly uh, the sweet wines are really what Missourians look for. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I think I would fall into fall into yeah. that boat, too. So how many wineries did you say there are in the state? Yeah. There are over 130. Wow. And, you know, and in our own backyard, I should certainly give a shout out to Le, the Le Bourgeois Winery. Um, they've been around here in Rocheport for, oh gosh, several decades. I mean, like 30 or 40 years, I believe. Yeah. And um, they've just expanded and they they have some fabulous, really, really good wines. And they have a, um, a distillery that they've added to their, their winery. So and it's right off I-70. <clears throat> and, it, you know, it's a beautiful place to go and visit for the day. Um, and cause it's right, looks over, you know, the Missouri river and it's just a beautiful place to go, um, and eat and hang out and drink some wine and everybody does tasting. Yeah. I mean, I don't know any winery that doesn't do any tasting. So, yeah, you got to sample it and then, and then pick what yeah. you like. So, all right. That's yeah, great. For Mis- sure. Yeah. Missouri life magazine, uh, Missouri life.com is the website and, uh, it's in there, your May right. edition for the, uh, Missouri winery road trip. That's correct. Yeah. That is correct. All right. We'll pick that up. Deborah Marshall from Missouri Life Magazine. Great talking with you. You too. Thanks so much for your time. This is Show Me Today, the voice of Missouri. Meet Ed, movie buff, animal lover, safe driver. Five years of driving an ambulance teaches you a thing or two. If people knew what I know, lives could be saved. When I see a car trying to rush past the turning bus, I get concerned. You see, when big vehicles turn right, they have to swing wide to make the turn. And that's a lesson you don't want to learn the hard way. When trucks and buses turn, let's you and I wait. It's It's our roads. It's It's our safety. Visit www.sharetheroadsafely.gov. If you're talking, they will hear you. Why are we getting killed like this? Kyle's not here. Got caught drinking beer in the park a couple of nights ago. Really? Yeah. Zero tolerance. He's out for the season. Harsh. Hey, he knew not to drink. We've made that clear to all of our kids, right? Uh, no, not really. Bill, if we don't tell them what we expect and why they shouldn't drink, how are they going to know? Talk. They hear you. For more information, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. All the talks we've had over the years, including what you've told me about not using alcohol and other drugs, they stick with me. And believe it or not, they really do make a difference, especially at times that matter most. Hey, want a drink? No thanks, I'm good. So thank you, Dad, for talking and preparing me for what's ahead. Thank you for talking. For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. Hi, it's Tori DeVito. In every family, small conversations can make a big impact. Like when my dad shared his experiences as an alcoholic. Your honesty about that part of your life gave me a sense of integrity that I wanted to uphold in my own life. I wanted you to know from someone who's been in recovery more than 30 years now that hard work is what creates success, not alcohol or other drugs. I said it a lot, and I'm glad you took it to heart. Talk. They hear you. For more information, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. 
When it comes to vaping, the truth can get clouded. So let's make it clear. Vaping is not safe for kids, teens, or young adults. It's just not. Because vaping can put microscopic particles into your lungs. And dangerous things like metals and volatile organic compounds into your body. And nicotine, the same highly addictive substance found in regular cigarettes. Nicotine can harm a person's brain development through their mid-20s. Affecting learning, memory, attention, and impulse control. And priming the brain for other addictions. Vaping products also come in kid-friendly flavors that can make them appealing to youth. And many kids also use other drugs, like marijuana, in vaping devices. With appealing flavors, high nicotine levels, and lots of promotion on social media. Many kids think vaping is harmless, but it's not. So talk to your kids about the risks of vaping. Because when you talk, they hear you. For more information, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. Email from school about the incident today. Scary. Tell me about it. Did you have any idea that was going on? None. I mean, you saw Derek at the game last night, too. Did you have a clue? No, but you know, teachers like me, parents, we don't always know as much as you guys do. Kids hear first about what's going on with other kids. Half the time, it's rumors. It can be hard to tell sometimes, but if you're ever concerned about a friend who's having trouble with alcohol, prescription drugs, bullying, violence, anything, you need to tell an adult. Mom or me, a teacher, coach, school counselor, someone you know and trust. Dad, no kid is going to tell an adult about that kind of stuff. I get it, but if we don't know, we can't help. Speaking up about a problem, that's what helping a friend is all about. For more information, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. This is Show Me Today, the voice of Missouri. The city of West Plains celebrates an old-time music festival in the Ozarks. For two days, on the 2nd and 3rd of June, musicians, storytellers will share the distinctive sounds of the region. Kathleen Morrissey is one of the organizers of the Old Time Music Ozarks Heritage Festival, and she talks with Ashley Bird. It sort of just uh, takes over the downtown area, a historic downtown all the way to the Civic Center. It has been that footprint for years. And as time went by, as we started using the Civic Center more and more because it was an inside venue, we started out using it just as a rain venue and found, figured out that 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 using the the building gave us a lot more access to, to things that we could do indoors. So we now have a 500 seat uh, theater that we can program music in all day long. Plus, whenever we need to, we have access to the arena facilities for bigger shows. And I think those arenas seat about 3,000. And this year we're going to use the arena because we have, we just have the opportunity to do it. And, uh, sometimes, you know, we just, we collaborate so closely with what the city is doing, uh, programming their civic center. So, this year, they, they have a show coming in. They have a ticketed show coming in on Thursday night. And we will use the, all of the staging and everything that they set up for that show to continue Friday night in the same area. Yeah, a lot of activity there. Uh, what I don't have is the dates. What are the dates of the festival? June 2nd and 3rd. That's a Friday, Saturday. And it's from 10 o'clock in the morning until, oh, roughly, you know, 9 at night, depending on what time the headliners uh, close, shut down. We 
just it differs depending on the people. This year we are on Friday night. We will be presenting the Isaacs, and they have a they have a really large local and national following. They're opening for Reba McIntyre. Okay, so they're opening for Reba McIntyre, but at the festival. Mm-hmm. Well, no, they op- they are on tour with her. Okay, so we have the eyes. When they're on their tour, they, they yes, yeah, she has on Reba's tour. They they open for her here. We book them separately just to do a headline show. Okay, so the Isaacs who who uh, travel with and, and open for Reba McIntyre will be a big deal at the Ozark Heritage Festival, the Old Time Music Ozark Heritage uh-huh. Festival. That's, that's the full name. Yes, of it. that's a that's a. That that's what we're hoping because it's a it's one of the we have never truly gone into the whole genre of of uh, southern gospel. We you know that we have always had so much uh, other music that we could could go to that and especially with the the local and regional musicians that have been playing that this kind of old time music for generations. You know some of these these bands going back uh, five six generations. We're talking with Kathleen Morrissey from one of the organizers of the Old Time Music Ozark Heritage Festival. It's taking place in West Plains on June 2nd and 3rd. And this is Show Me Today, the voice of Missouri. In case you're listening or want to dial in later, you can find us in your favorite podcast place. But let's talk about the other acts, too. What what kind of variety of Ozark's music do folks get when they come down for this? To get all that old time music, there's string bands, ballads, singers, uh, you know, the, all the, the real true old time. Uh, and that, that is not bluegrass. It's different from bluegrass, but it's kind of, uh, the precursor if you were going to looking at how old time came about. But it, it is, uh, fiddle music and dance music and, uh, you know, all, all that that goes with that culture of old time. Now the other the other music that will happen will be uh you know there will be uh, a jig dance contest going on and uh, jig, you know all kinds of workshops where the uh, the musicians will be offering workshops and in, in different different instruments. This year we're featuring the the lap dulcimer because we've never had a chance to do a lot with uh, accessibility. Lap dulcimers are are a little hard to find uh, you know on that entry level so. We brought, we're bringing in 25, uh, cardboard. We put them together ourselves out of kits, cardboard, uh, dulcimers and they, they sound, they just sound wonderful. And they'll be, they, we will be able to pass those out to the first 25 people who come to the workshop to be able to actually have their hands on the instrument and play along with the, uh, leader of the workshop, who is Dwayne Porterfield. And he is uh, one of the national winners at, uh, he's won the, that dulcimer competition at Winfield, Kansas several times in a row and comes out. He actually comes out of the folk center in Arkansas. He is, he does a lot of performance and MC work down there, but he also works out of the McSpadden dulcimer shop right there in Mountain View, Arkansas. Wow. So they can see the instruments play the instruments, and also learn from some of the best. And you mentioned that this is old-time music, and you, and mm-hmm. uh, it has its own distinctive sound. Uh, what what would we be listening for that would make something signature old-time? 
Well, you know what? The old time music sort also did evolve as it came through. I'm pretty sure that we we kind of claimed the Scots Irish traditions as they came over from uh, from Europe, and then it evolved. It starts in the Appalachians and it comes west as people came west, and and every place that it went, it sort of took on its own uh, characteristics. The people, the old time people, can tell you, you know, whether the fiddle music is Middle Missouri or or North Carolina, or you know, they they just know because each one of these places takes on its own its own character. Now, for us, we have some signature things that go on here in Missouri that don't happen anywhere else, and partly it's the dance tradition. It was the the jig dance, the ho down jig dance, which. Uh, the square dancing and the, those, these square dances are called, there's a caller in each one of the circles. It's all, all dance to live music. And they're, so they're playing those old time songs for the dancers. Some of them could have been, you know, come out of, uh, Civil War fame. Some of them would be just really deeply European. Uh, I'm thinking of Irish step dancing, you know, kind mm-hmm, of stuff. Mm-hmm. Cause it, a lot of that jig dancing came from that tradition as well. But it's really old time, and you, you're looking at the the dulcimer itself. They had lap dulcimers, the first truly American instrument that was made, because every other instrument has some kind of ties to uh, to a European stock. So when we get those kind of instruments, the the music would evolve as well with the instruments, the instrumentation, and it's kind of something like how food changed. You know, like we we will have a, a uh, some presenters presenting on topics that they are uh, that they've either uh, become very noted for their work in these areas, and one of them is uh, Cindy Grisham. Out of uh, she's out of North Arkansas as well, and has done a lot of her work on the the history of food, how it changed, how the uh, the westward expansion changed the way that people uh, ate food and and their customs. As they had different access to different raw materials, technology changed. Sometimes they had access to machines that they didn't, you know, they would have to change the the equipment and the machinery in order to um, uh, grow or harvest a certain kind of crop that they wanted right, to eat. Right, right. A very interesting field, you know. And so we want to, to, to emphasize that it's not, well, it is music. I mean, it's sort of was based on music, but the humanities part of it is not just the performance of the of the songs or the where they came from. It's the interpretation of them. So, you know, so we've got some Southern gospel that can trace those those history, their history back to that that Hindi and the shape notes singing the and shape the, note, right? And the, All of that. You know, the instructors yeah. that yeah, you know yeah. those those traveling uh, sure. traveling schools and musicians that that. Because that was the way people learned. I would mm-hmm. have to urge people at this point. Um, I'll urge people to go listen because it's no way we can truly describe it unless you exactly. can go down and hear it. And as you said, the different influences right. right there. I want to introduce okay. this to you. So as we wrap up. Well, and, and the other thing is this new to this this year is the is the in the living history encampment, which will that will cover th- uh, four different eras. One will be the indigenous people, then colonial, then uh, mountain men, and then ending in Civil War. So there will be people out on our green camping for the whole two days, and they will be that, that it's a camp, and so they're 
setting up all of what would be a recreation of those th- four eras uh, uh, authentically. And we, we have veterans, Civil War enactors, coming in to talk about, you know, not try to reenact a battle, but talk about what happened, uh, you know, with the, specifically here in the Ozarks, where it was very, very hard for either one of the sides to claim any kind of victory because the terrain and the, the geography was so unforgiving that, you know, it, it would just, it, it lent for a lot of things like the guerrilla warfare. Right, right. It sounds like there's so much to see and to hear clearly at the Ozark mm-hmm, Heritage mm-hmm. Festival. This is the old time music Ozark Heritage Festival. And as we talk to Kathleen Morrissey, who's one of the organizers, tell us where it is, how to find it, and and how to find out more information about going down to West Plains. Mm-hmm. So West Plains is uh, it's about 40, 30, 40 miles north of the Arkansas border, right on Highway 65. It's called it's oldtimemusic.org. Good luck with your festival, Kathleen, and we are glad that you spent some time with us here on Show Me Today, the Voice of Missouri. Hey, Jimmy, turn off the video games. Let's go play some ball. I'm in the middle of my game. Can't we go later? Come on, it'll be fun. It will be there when you get back. Okay, but there's no way you're going to win. Why don't you grab some water and granola bars, and then we'll see about that. You can make a difference. Eat smart, play hard. And when you do, your kids will too. A challenge from USDA. Some people won't give you the real talk on drugs. But it's time we know the facts. Fentanyl is often laced into illicit drugs and used to make fake versions of prescription pills. You can't see it, taste it, or smell it. Suppliers mix fentanyl into their products because it's potent and cheap. And the dealer might not even know. Keep yourself and others safe by knowing the real deal on fentanyl. Get the facts. Go to realdealonfentanyl.com. This message is brought to you by the Ad Council. It's 4 a.m., Monday, and you're literally sucking baby snot through a tube because she's congested. Man, that's love. And if you love her that much, love her enough to make sure she's buckled in the right car seat. To make sure your child's in the right seat for their age and size, visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Show them you love them. Keep them safe. Visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. If a baby is giggling in the back seat, they're probably happy. If a baby is crying in the back seat, they're probably hungry. But if a baby is sleeping in the back seat, will you remember they're even there? When you're distracted, stressed, or not usually the one who drives them, the chances of forgetting them in the back seat are much higher. It can happen to anyone. Parked cars get hot fast and can be deadly. So get in the habit of checking the back seat when you leave. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. Do you worry about how much someone drinks? Do you feel angry or depressed most of the time? Do you feel neglected or unloved? Do you feel that if the drinker loved you, she or he would stop drinking? If you answered yes to any of these questions, you are not alone. Not everyone trapped by alcohol is an alcoholic. Families and friends are suffering too. Al-Anon and Alateen can help. Call 1-866-200-0223 or visit alanon.org slash help. 
The United States Deputy Sheriff's Association is a national nonprofit and the largest non-governmental provider of services to law enforcement. The USDSA assists city, county, state, and federal agencies with free safety equipment donations and officer survival training along with cash donations to families of law enforcement officers who perish in the line of duty, college scholarships for the children of law enforcement, a citizen awareness program, and more. For more information on the USDSA and how you can help, visit usdeputy.org. Back on Show Me Today, the town of Van Buren in the Ozarks area has undergone millions of dollars in renovations. Cameron Connor has Karen White from the Chamber of Commerce to talk about their town and a special event on the 3rd that will kick off summer. Following the devastating uh, 2017 flood, much of Van Buren um, needed to be rebuilt, uh, not only within the uh, the homes, but also the businesses. And so really and truly, we are so excited uh, at the uh, Van Buren Chamber of Commerce to be focused on the revitalization efforts of Van Buren. Uh, one of the things that is revitalized as well is the new Van Buren Chamber of Commerce. It uh, was absent for several years following the flood. And last year, we really um, put forth a great effort to bring the community together. And one of the exciting things, uh, we really felt like it was the best time to be doing this. And one of the most exciting things are just the new venues, the new opportunities uh, for visitors to see Van Buren, to come into the community um, that's long been known for its natural beauty. I mean, the big springs, um, the current river, just the Ozarks in general, you know, are just lovely. There's a lot of historic landmarks um, in addition to the outdoor rec- recreational uh, activities that are, are available. But this year uh, we have um, we're excited that uh, the landing, uh, who has been a long time outfitter on the current river, uh, has fully reopened. Um, they were devastated by a fire in 2021, and they are up, open and running. Not that they ever really closed for very long, but uh, they've finished up their, um, their construction, and it's just a lovely new venue for them. And Karen, real quick, one of these renovations is a new, unique music venue, correct? Something to do with Hellbenders? <laughs> Additionally, uh, the revitalization efforts uh, within the community are a very unique and very fun uh music venue known as Hellbenders on the Current, and it has a whole summer lineup of concerts uh, and would highly encourage folks to come visit that. Uh, Opening up next weekend, we're uh, super excited to welcome Beaver's Teeth Axe Throwing. Um, This is a totally unique and fun experience for the entire family here in Van Buren. And so that, uh, those efforts, those new businesses really uh, are just the the tip of the iceberg, so to speak, on the revitalization efforts uh, that are going on within Van Buren. Okay, fantastic. And one of the other things that visitors will have to wait for for a little bit, but I know that there's also a lot of renovations that are being done to the Big Spring National Park that are set to be opening in spring of 24, correct? That is correct. There are many, uh, many renovations underway at Big Springs National Park. Uh, for those who have never been there, I would encourage folks to definitely uh, come, even though the, the cabins aren't 
available yet or the lodging. Um, those will be completed in spring of 2024 and uh, will really be a unique experience for visitors. Uh, those who uh, were part of that uh, a decade or so ago will remember how uh, fabulous those cabins were, how unique the dining experience was to sit and look at the spring and the river as you uh, as you uh, had breakfast, lunch, or dinner there, and just staying at the park uh, is just a fun experience. Of course, the park is open uh, for campers, obviously, right now, and uh, I, I know that in talking with the park superintendent that those slots are filling up very quickly. Um, other renovation efforts that have been going on in Van Buren uh, would be the uh, on, on the historic Carter County Courthouse. Uh, last year it was placed on, I'm sorry, no, this year it was placed on the National Registry of Historic Places, and uh, we are receiving uh, funds to restore that. It was devastated as part of the 2017 flood as well. And so it's a unique landmark in Van Buren, and uh, just uh, it's, it's one of the few stone, I think they call it, um, maybe giraffe stone structures. I'm, I don't know that I have that correct, but uh, for a courthouse, I don't believe there is another one like it. All right, and for those of you that are just now tuning in, this is Show Me Today, The Voice of Missouri. I'm Cameron Connor. We're here with the treasurer of the Van Buren Chamber of Commerce, Karen White, talking about the revitalization of Van Buren, basically a many, many years long process to get the special, I guess, energy from Van Buren back into it. And there's no better time to do it, Karen, from what you were talking about, because this is one of those years where travel, whether it's throughout the state or across the country, is just through the roof, especially coming off the tail end of the pandemic and everything like that. So it's definitely great to see. And one of the ways that you want to kick off all of this remodeling, all of this revitalization, that's with a special event that you guys have going on on June 3rd, correct? All right, June 3rd, uh, following the uh, MU Extensions Food Truck Festival, we will be having the inaugural uh, Current River Bites and Brews. Um, it will be from 5 to 10. Uh, we'll have craft uh, beer vendors as well as live music uh, at, uh, uh, they'll take place um, at the Main Street there in Van Buren. Okay, fantastic. What a fun experience that sounds to be. And one of the other questions that I'd love to go back to with this, and you touched on it in your first answer, but I'd love for you to have a moment to revisit it. We were talking about the fact that, and as you stated, it seems as if the Chamber of Commerce for Van Buren really went through a revitalization of its own or a revival is maybe one of the best ways to describe it. So can you talk about, you know, the countless hours and commitments that have taken place in order to have something like this happen? Because it doesn't just happen overnight. <laughs> it does not. We, uh, we got together uh, sitting around as a group um, of friends, a group of uh, people who work uh, together and just said, hey, you know, what we really need is a chamber of commerce here in Van Buren because there was a lot of activity going on. No one seemed to know who was doing what. Um, and it just kept coming up in conversation. Um, and time and again, as you know, whenever you are sitting around and you're talking about something, suddenly you are involved in it um, with both feet. And so we, uh, we said, hey, what would it take to 
get a chamber together. And we spent over a year in planning and we met. Uh, There were four to five of us who would meet uh, about every month and say, okay, uh, you are going to go do this, and you are a task with that. And we've just brought it together. Uh, and, again, the the entire community of Van Buren, as well as the county of Carter, uh, just came together to support the chamber. Um, we have uh, different levels of membership that are available. We have everybody from a, an individual to a nonprofit to, of course, business. And the outpouring of support for um, this chamber revitalization has just been very heartening and very humbling. Van Buren has such a rich heritage. As we like to to say, we want to honor that heritage, but we also want to look to the future and be uh, be prepared economically uh, as well as uh, culturally um, to really bring bring about the changes needed uh, for that future. Karen, the the question that I would love to wrap this up with, and just because of the fact that I think it's super important for anyone out there that's listening, that wants to know more about Van Buren, that maybe wants to know more about this kickoff event that you have going on June 3rd, which is titled The Current River Bites and Brews, or maybe they're looking for volunteer opportunities or ways to help out in any sort of way they can. Is there a certain website or social media that they can go to where they can get that information? Sure. Uh, the Van Buren Chamber of Commerce can be reached at cvanburenmo.com. That's S-E-E-V-A-N-B-U-R-E-N-M-O.com. We're also on uh, Facebook, uh, C. Van Buren, Missouri, at, with Missouri spelled out. Um, you can reach us there, or you can email the chamber at vanburenmochamber at gmail.com. Show me the day. Hope you have a great weekend. Remember to check out our podcast on Apple. Search for Show Me Today. I'm Bill Pollack. Thanks for listening. Show me today.